Good morning once again to all of you. I'm glad that all of you are here with us this morning. Uh, and uh, today is uh, the start of something new. <laughs> and uh, I am excited uh, to be here with you this morning. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's an exciting time. So, uh, you know, we, have, we are where we are today uh, because of how awesome uh, Steve was and his leadership and, and his service and his whole family. Uh, and so, but today's a new day, and so we're excited. And so, if you don't know, uh, I my name is Brian Dillon, and I am the campus minister here at Gateway Chase Valley. And uh, I'm excited uh, to see what God has next for us as we move forward. So, uh, we uh, th th we have a lot of transition going on though. Uh, today is also Luke Martin's first Sunday as our student minister, and so he just went back with the students, and so uh, you know be praying for him in that transition as well. I just wanted to pray for uh, Steve this week or right now, but this week early in the week he has his neck surgery, uh, and it's you know it can be as routine as anything, and then. You just, it's, it's still a surgery. And so I just want to take some time to pray for him and his family and his recovery and uh, just the, the transition here at Taze Valley before we get started. So let's pray together. Father, we, uh, we thank you that we can be here this morning and, and gather with one another. Father, uh, we just want to pray over Steve and the surgery on his neck that he has coming this week. And I uh, we just pray that you would be with his medical team, that they, you would give them wisdom and a, and a steady hand and um, that this would just be a smooth operation and um, that there would be no complications, that he'd be able to go home and start recovering. And we just pray for a healing and in this recovery that it would be quick and that he would be able to get back on his feet and doing life better than, than when he went in. Um, and that he would be free from the pain that has plagued him for a while now. And um, we're just uh, thankful that you have put the, this, these doctors in his life that they can they can help him out with this. So Father, I pray that you with him, be with his family during this uh, this new season that they're about to enter into. And Father, we pray that you would watch over this campus as we make a transition here, both uh, with me and Luke, and uh, that you would just do great things through the people here at Gateway Taze Valley, and that we uh, would just be amazed by what you're doing in this community. So Father, we, we thank you that we can uh, be a part of what you're doing on this earth, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, well, how many of you love uh, those dumb, scary movies? Like, you're a big horror movie fan, and you're not there for uh, the plot. You know it's going to be bad, but, like, you, uh, those are the types of movies you like. Or how many of you just like to be scared? Like, you like going to haunted houses, or you like the jump scares? Well, uh, for those of you that would say yes to that, y'all are sick, and you need Jesus. All right? I'm just, uh, I'm just telling you. No, I, I kid, I kid. But for those of you that do enjoy those types of things, those movies or uh, Haunted House or whatever, I, I think you can agree that after you, you've been through it for the first time or after you see it for the first time, you know, the scares just won't ever match that first time. You know it's coming then. And so it's just, it's just not as scary. It's not as thrilling. I mean, once you know that the monster in Scooby-Doo is actually Mr. Wigglesworth, uh, it's just not as scary, right? Like, this isn't scary at all now. And it's the same way with action thrillers or suspense movies. Once you've seen the ending, there's just not quite as much tension that builds up and, and when you watch it again. I mean, most movies, they solve themselves. Or there's some sort of a, a happy ending. That's why, like, Avengers Infinity War was such, like, a, ah, because you were like, they didn't, they didn't wrap it up in a good 
happened. Spoiler alert for like five years ago. But uh, but just that's you you expect that everything will get wrapped up. And sometimes when we look at our world, it can be a scary place as well. Just like a haunted house or, or a scary movie, the world can be scary as well. And our, our world is filled with all kinds of evils and dangers, and it's scary to think about sometimes. I mean, maybe you avoid watching the news altogether because you can just feel your anxiety rising and rising as you see all the evil and hate that's happening around us every single day. I mean, we turn on the news and we see reports on COVID-19 numbers and mass shootings and racial tensions and insurrections and protests and riots and on and on and on. I mean, there are people that haven't watched the news in years because they don't want to see this stuff. The problem is now, whether you avoid the news or not, our social media has kind of stood in the gap there for us. And people are sharing stories and, and opinions and all these things and arguing. And there's just a bunch of negativity. And often, you might find yourself feeling worse than when you click the app to get on. And those are just the everyday things. There's also the things that we try to put in the back of our minds and not think about, like terrorism plots and nuclear attacks and cyber attacks and biological warfare that just seem to be looming that, well, I don't want to think about that. I mean, there are a lot of ways that our lives could be dramatically turned upside down or even ended, and, and that all causes stress and anxiety for a lot of people. For some, it cripples their ability to live a normal life because they're so fearful of what tomorrow might bring. And that question of what if is always hanging over them and it's constantly running through their minds and it might affect every decision that you make. And if that's something that you struggle with, I hope that your anxieties can be calmed just a little bit this morning. Because one thing we know from reading the Bible is that as Christ followers, we come out victorious. We know the end. And so even though it's a scary movie out there sometimes, we know what the ending ultimately will be. And while that doesn't make everything in this world magically okay, and it's all hunky-dory out there, I think it helps to know that there is nothing in this world that can overcome Jesus. Now you may have seen a pair, some controversy recently uh, from a rapper known as Lil Nas X. And now last we had seen him, he was riding his horse to the Old Town Road. Uh, but a couple weeks ago, he, he came back and uh, stirred up a little bit of controversy. You might have seen uh, as part of a publicity stunt that he said was nine months in the making. The rapper released some Satan shoes in the lead up to Easter. And it was alongside a new song and, and video, and he has definitely achieved his goal of getting eyes and ears on his music. And the music video for his song has been viewed over 100 million times on YouTube. And the song has been streamed even more on Spotify, Apple Music, all those. Now there's obvious concern over our kids watching or listening to this over and over. And for, you know, for me even, I, my, my child is five and he knew Old Town Road because they played it at daycare, which, you know, th that, th this guy is in the public consciousness and this is what he chose for his next big hit. But one encouraging thing that came to mind for me as our staff talked about all this a couple weeks ago was that, now I graduated high school in 2002. And so maybe you are, some of you are in the same realm. Uh, but there was similar outrage and controversy over a man named Marilyn Manson. Anybody remember Marilyn Manson? 
Uh, you know, he was an artist that, uh, a musical artist that promoted satanic messages and really disturbing videos and just a lot of stuff. Now, YouTube wasn't a thing back then. You had to go to something called MTV. But I remember the fear there was over our society, where our society was headed as a result of his music. And I, I remember I was like, I don't know if I want to get into all that. I do remember there were a lot of, there was a big goth movement during that time. You know, people that dressed in black and wore makeup, boys wore makeup. And, and you know, just, you know, it was like, it was some scary stuff at the time, right? I remember parents, you know, there was a lot of hand wringing, like, what if my kid is listening to this stuff? And, and while I'm not sure our society is really in any great shape these days from a Christian's perspective, when we started talking about women on sex, I realized, you know what? Marilyn Manson isn't even a thing anymore. Like, a lot of teenagers wouldn't even know who you were talking about. They would think you were talking about a woman. You know, like, uh, they would know, people would know more about Marilyn Monroe than they would know Marilyn Manson. And, and so, you know, we have heard of this, but when was the last time you even thought of it? You know, and, and so here we are 20 years later, he's not even a blip on the radar, and my hope is that 20 years from now, we'll go, little who? Little not, I, I don't know who that, who are you talking about? What, what kind of shoes was it? But you know who is still around through all this? Do you know who's been around for the last 2,000 years that people have been trying to disprove and dethrone? King Jesus. Yeah. And they've been trying real hard, right? And he's still around. And so no matter what I come in this world, we know that Jesus is still on the throne. And though the world can be a very scary place, and we're promised trials of many kinds, we know that in the end, King Jesus will reign victorious. And because of what we celebrated last week on Resurrection Sunday, we know that we are assured that same victory if we follow and devote our lives to Him. Now the last several weeks we've been in a series called Who Is This Man? where we've been looking at different perspectives of Jesus. And we've seen him as a friend of sinners. We've seen him as a compassionate healer. We've seen him as a suffering Savior. Last week we saw him as the risen Lord who deserves our full attention and devotion. And if we give him those and remain close to him, we can be ready for any trouble that might come our way. You know, Jesus' disciples, they also lived in turbulent times, and, and Jesus knew it was about to get worse for them. In fact, while at the Last Supper in John 13, he flat out told them, you're going to have trouble in this world, but then told them, take heart, I have overcome the world. And in John 14, he told them, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Jesus was preparing his disciples for life without him around. And he makes the same, he makes the promise that at some point in the future, he's going to come back for his people. And similar to the prophecies from the Old Testament that Jesus fulfilled all throughout his life, this is a prophetic claim from Jesus, a promise to save his people. And so this morning we're going to take a look at Jesus from a prophetic perspective. And today we're going to see Jesus as a coming king. And one of the core beliefs of being a Christ follower is that one day Jesus will literally return to this earth. We refer to this as the second coming, which means we believe in a coming king. And this belief has been the ultimate hope of the church from the first century all the way up until now. 
Jesus' second coming has been predicted over 300 times in the Bible. And several times throughout the New Testament, the writers refer to a belief that Jesus is returning and he's coming soon. And as you read that today, in the year 2021, you might start to doubt that, that a return is actually going to happen. I mean, it's been a long time. And these guys, these guys thought it was happening in their lifetime. And here we are. I mean, what's, what's going on? I mean, if Peter and Paul believed that he was coming back during their lifetime and it still hasn't happened yet, then who's to say that it's going to happen at all, right? Well, the New Testament authors, they, they certainly believe that Jesus would return soon. Because who were they to believe otherwise? I mean, relative to us, this whole Jesus thing was still pretty new to them. So it made sense that they believed he would come back soon. According to Jesus, though, it was impossible for them to know when he would return. In Matthew 24, Jesus says that only the Father knows the day and the hour, and to keep watch until he does return. So the New Testament authors, they were merely keeping watch and staying devoted as if he was returning any day, which is exactly what we are told to do as well. You know, I once heard a story of a man named Quill who lived in the, in the hills of eastern Kentucky. And Quill, he had a little bit of a shady reputation. He had a reputation for illegal uh, hunting and fishing. And so the game warden catches wind of this and knew that he was up to no good, but he just couldn't prove it. He couldn't catch him in the act. And so he decided he was going to do a stakeout at Quill's cabin. And so he goes down late one night, and he sets up camp near Quill's cabin on top of a cliff nearby. Well, it was real cold that night. He nearly froze because he couldn't start a fire for fear that Quill would look out the window and see a fire or smoke coming up. So he had to just sit out in the cold all night long. And, you know, the, he, his plan was to stay there all night, then wake up the next morning and just follow Quill to whatever he was about to do. And he's going to catch him around here. He's going to catch him in the act, finally, now. Well, finally, he gets through the night. The sun starts to come up the next morning, and he sees Quill stirring around in the cabin. He, he sees the smoke starts billowing up the, through the chimney. He smells the coffee brewing and the bacon's cooking on the stove. Man, he's hungry. He's been out there all night without any food. His stomach starts to growl. And then he sees Quill. He's coming out on the front porch. He wonders what he's doing. And then suddenly Quill calls out, I know you're out there. You might, you might as well come on down and warm up and have some breakfast with me. Yeah. And the king warden is done. I, I, I froze out here. How did he know that I was out here? So he was caught. So he climbed down the hill and he goes inside the cabin. Of course, the first question is, how did you know I was there? And Quill responds, Well, I didn't. I'll holler that every morning just in case you're out there. <laughs> and that is how we should be in preparation for our coming king. Just in case today is the day. Because we don't know when he will come, but we do know that he's coming. Because when Jesus makes a promise, you can take that to the bank. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 35, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Friends, we can count on his eventual return. And so we know Jesus is the coming king. And today we want to look at how he's going to come. And the first way is that he will come from above. 
In Acts 1, Luke says that after his resurrection, Jesus stayed on the earth for 40 more days. He was meeting with his disciples and preparing them for what life was going to be like after his eventual departure. It was during this time that Jesus told the disciples, I want you to wait until you receive the Holy Spirit, and then go to the ends of the earth as my witnesses. And then it was, it was after that Luke says that Jesus was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. Or hit him from their sight. I mean, can you imagine what that was like? Like this little cloud elevator comes down, and he steps on it, and he just goes up, and you're like, what just happened? What? I don't... I've seen a lot of funny things in the last month or so, and so now you're leaving. Uh, I, don't, I don't understand. You just can't... You died, and then you came back. never seen that before. And now you just... You went up, right? Jesus! You know, like, come back! And, and you know, like... This was so soon after the resurrection, they probably thought he'd be right back again, right? Like, okay, cool, uh, I guess he had some bills to pay or something, and now he'll be back, he'll be back. And, and as they're standing there, though, Luke says that two angels appeared to them and said, Men of Galilee, why are you standing there looking into the sky? And they probably said, well, did you see what happened? Uh, but the, the angels say, this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. And soon after, the disciples got to work on the, wish, the mission that was laid out by Jesus. And in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit descends upon them, and the work they begin the work of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. And every day, while they were doing this, they would keep an eye on the sky, watching and waiting for Jesus' eventual return. But they weren't the only ones to expect this. The Apostle Paul was convinced Jesus would return from above as well. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17, he writes, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet with the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. In the Gospels, we see Jesus himself. He looks to the sky when he's praying. Everything we see in the Bible points to Jesus returning from above. And so as followers of Christ, we too should keep an upward focus as we await His return. The second way we will look at how He's going to come is that He will come in power. Back in the 1980s, Billy Graham was on the Johnny Carson show. How many of you remember Johnny Carson? More than Marilyn Manson, I think. Uh, so, uh, that's good on you. So, uh, Billy Graham was on the Johnny Carson show, and Johnny said to him, Billy, if Jesus came back to the earth today, I bet we'd do him in again. And Billy Graham leaned forward in his chair and said, Johnny, Jesus is coming back to the earth one day, but we won't do him in. The first time he came in humility, the next time he will come in power. The first time he came to save the next time he will come to judge. You know, when Jesus came to the earth the first time, it was in a kind of a meek and mild manner. A helpless baby wrapped in swaddling clothes laid in a manger. But the Bible describes a much different picture for his return. His second coming will be in an overwhelmingly powerful manner. And the Apostle John had a vision of Jesus' return that he shared with us in Revelation 19, 11 through 16, John said, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse. His rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. 
He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which, he, with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So just a little bit different than the first time he came, right? Meek and mild, this is not. And it's also a completely different picture from the Jesus that we saw in the Gospels. But make no mistake, he's still the same Jesus. He's still a friend of sinners. He's still a compassionate healer. He's still the Savior who suffered, and he's still the risen Lord. But just like he, he promised when he was here, he's also the coming King of kings. Now, there are some in our culture, however, that have begun to doubt that he's ever coming back at all. Like I said, it's been over 2,000 years, and while his return once seemed imminent and soon, well, the delay has caused some to question now whether it will happen at all. And, and even though we were told flat out that we cannot predict when he will return, what many have tried, and all have failed. And what that does is then when people see people predicting this, and then it not happen, people start to doubt even more that it will happen at all. And more and more stack up when they're wrong, and well, he's just not coming. You know, Peter said this would happen, though, in 2 Peter 3, and he wrote, Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where, where is this coming that he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being, and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters, also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. I think we could all, if we were honest with ourselves, I think we could all agree that we're, we're impatient sometimes. Anybody uh, admit to being impatient? Okay. The worst thing you can do if you are an impatient person is to pay, pray for patience. Because then <laughs> often you get something that's going to make you patient. Just a pro tip for all of you. Uh, but, you know, not only are, are we admittedly sometimes an impatient people, we're an impatient culture. And we are a people or a culture of instant gratification. And when things don't happen on our schedule or as we expected, then we get frustrated with the process. Or we start to doubt whether it will even happen at all. You know, maybe you've seen these studies where uh, researchers will, will set a young child down in a room, and it's just them and a chair and a table, and on the table is a stale donut or a marshmallow. And the, the researchers will say, okay, I'm going to leave this here. I don't want you to eat it. Don't eat it, because I am going to go get a dozen fresh ones and bring them back. I'll be back in about 15, 20 minutes. I want you to just leave it alone. I'll be right back, right? And, and you know what's going to happen, right? Like that donut maybe lasts five minutes, and that might be on the high end, right? And, and pretty soon you see the kids start looking around, and he's like, he's reaching, he's back, he's, ooh, it's like a real strong test of willpower. But eventually, most of them eat the donut, right? And, they're, and then they come back and it's like, we'll see what happened was. And, and, and we might hear that and think, like, why couldn't these kids 
just sit there. They said they were coming back with a dozen fresh ones, like hot mouths, right? Why couldn't these kids just sit there and wait for the fresh one? But I think if we were honest, I think some of us would admit that we would devour that stale Krispy Kreme and then be like, try to explain away when the dozen came back and be like, well, see what happened was there was a rat that came in and he took, I don't know where it went, but do you guys have cameras in here? Uh, uh, I'll take mine now, right? And that's how some of us have become with the return of Jesus. I mean, we've lost our patience and we're out here eating stale donuts instead of remaining on guard while we await the goodness that is Jesus' return. Let us be careful not to give in to the evil desires, to our evil desires that will leave us ultimately unsatisfied as we await the powerful return of our coming King. Third way he's going to come is that he will come in truth. There was a time, in our country especially, where Christianity was widely accepted and respected. It was the predominant religion of the people and it was a part of our culture. I mean, our country was founded on it. But today, Christianity is heavily scrutinized and there is a shift happening in the way that the world sees Christians. Now, let's be honest, some of that is our doing. And, and, and how we've talked to people, and how we've treated people. But some of it is also because the way the world, the way of the world is different from what the Bible teaches. You know, morality used to be based on the Bible, now it's based on other things. And so we stand in opposition of a lot of things that our culture might accept. And many hate Christians because they hate the Father, just as Jesus predicted would happen. But when Jesus returns, He's going to come in truth, and the eyes of the world will be open. You know, our focus verse today was from Philippians 2, 9 through 11, and Paul said that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So when he comes back, there will be no denying that Jesus is the King of Kings. And every tongue will confess, and every knee will bow, regardless of what they believe before that time. And no longer will people be able to turn a blind eye to the truth. And it, it kind of seems like people are trying really hard to do that these days. They're trying real hard to deny the truth that, that is right in front of them. They kind of have to bend over backwards to do it. I mean, the technology that we have to look at at babies in the womb these days is phenomenal. And we have all kinds of other prenatal, prenatal technology and genetic screening that prove that a preborn baby is a human life. Amen. Yet some choose to deny it because it doesn't agree with their mindset or their lifestyle. In the scientific realm, major discoveries have been made just in the last hundred years that show that the universe had a, a beginning. The earth had a master designer with evidence of fine-tuning, and that human DNA is so complex and powerful that it could not simply be the result of random evolution. Yet many prominent scientists will not admit to the existence of God, even if they agree that there was a single designer, that there was a, a supernatural cosmic event, they won't take that step and say that there is a God. They have to try to deny God's existence, even when evidence proves otherwise. Now, we may never see a time where, where Christianity is the predominant religion in our country or our world ever again. But we can still stand on the Word of God in every area of our life, in the hope of the coming King, because we know that we stand on the truth. 
And though the world may mock us for what we believe, we can stand firm because we have built our faith on the rock of our salvation, the firm foundation. And we know that one day Jesus will return and the truth will be revealed to all. And so these are the ways that He's going to come. From above, in power, and in truth. And it's coming sometime. So what do we do as His followers in the meantime? What is our mission as we look to the sky and await His arrival? Well, you may have seen our mission statement out on the wall in the cafe. That gateway here is to love God, love people, and serve. And that comes directly from the words of Jesus in the Gospels. And that's what He has tasked us with as we await His return. If you look at what Jesus told his disciples right before he left in John 15, it all revolves around those three things. In verse 4 he says, remain in me as I also remain in you. In verse 9 he says, remain in my love. In verse 12 he says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. In verse 17 he says, this is my command, love each other. And I want you to notice that those last two aren't options. Those are commands from King Jesus, marching orders for how we are to live when He leaves the earth. And the Apostle John would later say in 1 John 2, we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commands. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not do what He commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys His word, love for God is truly made complete in Him. This is how we know we are in Him. Whoever claims to live in Him must live as Jesus did. So if we're going to be out here claiming Christianity, if we're going to mark the checkbox as Christian, then we have to follow Jesus' commands, which means we are to love others the way that He loved us. And the last orders that He gave His disciples prior to His ascension to heaven was to use the power of the Holy Spirit. Let the power of the Holy Spirit come upon you to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. He said to go and be His witnesses and teach them and baptize them and make disciples of all the nations. And friends, those same things apply to us as Christ followers today. So if you're looking for what you should be doing in the meantime as you await His return, then now you have your answer. Love people and teach them about Jesus. So let us not get an attitude of apathy for our fellow man because we know where we are spending eternity. If you've given your life to Christ, we cannot simply say, I'm good now. I, I, I know where I'm, my eternal, I'm eternally saved. I'm good. Good luck. Right? Let us not view each day as another punishment and as we await Christ's return. Let's view each day as an opportunity to save the millions whose eternal salvation hangs in the balance. Friends, there is still work to be done, and there is still time to do it. So keep loving others and teaching them about Jesus so we all may one day hear, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you would want a relationship with us. That you would love us so much that you would send your son to die for each one of us. But moreover, we're so thankful that one day he's coming back. And that all the things that we have to deal with in this world, all the pain and the sorrow, all the frustrations we might have, all the mockery, we know that one day, if we stand firm on the rock of our salvation, that one day, 
we will be we will be saved from all. So thank you. we're thankful that we can rest on the promise of Jesus that He's coming back for His people. Father, I pray that as we wait for that time, whenever that might be, that we would be concerned less about when the time is and more about how can I save and love as many people now before He comes back. Father, I pray that we would look at each new day in a new light that says, I have an opportunity to love more people today. By the grace of Jesus Christ, I have woken up today and I am free and I want to tell others about it. I pray that each day we would live it missionally to love others, not selfishly knowing that we are, we are eternally saved, but we would live and love the way that Jesus. Father, thank you for being allowing us to be a part of what you're doing on this earth. I pray that we can take that seriously every day of our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you never made the decision to give your life to Christ and be baptized, then there's no better day than today. You know, there's a lot of, we say there's a lot of uncertainty, and so there's there's no better day, than, no better time than right now to say, I, in front of these people, in front of my friends, I want to declare that I have given my life to Christ and I would like to be baptized. Getting, leaving my old life behind and coming out into this new life with Christ. Maybe right now you are going through some things and life is just kind of really kicking you in the teeth. You've got a lot of pain, a lot of anxiety, Maybe you just need some, somebody to pray with you. And if that's the case, then I'll, I'll be down front here. I would love to pray with you. And if, whether it's a decision that you have to make or you just need somebody to be there and listen, then I'd love to pray with you and talk with you up front here. But please stand as we sing our final song.